You're listening to Parenting in the First Three Years, the place where we explore the strategies and soul of parenting from pregnancy through the first three years of life. I'm your host, Ann McKittrick. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello and welcome to the show. You know, there is one question that people commonly ask new parents that I just cannot stand, and that's, is she a good baby? Everybody wants to know if it's a good baby. Of course she's a good baby. She is your baby. But what they really want to know, is she an easy baby? And that's a really broad description. What's an easy baby anyways? One that sleeps well and doesn't cry very much or smiles a lot? Is that even realistic for a newborn? (laughs) And what makes some babies seem to be easier than other babies? That's what we're going to explore in this episode of Parenting in the First Three Years, which is sponsored by Nurtured Noggins. By the time we're done, you'll be able to understand why some babies are considered easy and some are not, and why every baby is so different. But I want to start out with a story. When my parents got pregnant with me, they had just suffered through a miscarriage. At the time, they were already parents to a five, seven, and nine-year-old. I was the fourth kid in our family. Another fact about my mom's pregnancy with me is this. There was a long-range plan at their church to open up a child care center, and she had been asked to be, to eventually be the director of that program. So she had started taking child development classes at the college while she was pregnant with me. She was particularly moved by a book that she was assigned to read that was called The Rights of Infants by Dr. Margaret Ribble, which, believe it or not, at the time the book was published, introduced a completely new way of thinking about the needs of infants. This period in history, in the 1940s through the 1960s, is when child development as a science was really pretty new. My mom actually passed this book on to me when I was studying child development in my graduate studies, and I've had it all these years on my bookshelf. In fact, here's a quote from that book. Parents have to remind themselves constantly that human personality is a continuous development, and healthy emotions, as well as a free creative intelligence, are rooted in early infant experiences. We use some different words now to describe those very same things, but this was kind of new information back then. So here's part two of that story. I was not an easy baby. I understand that I screamed, cried for hours on end in those first months because you guessed it, I was colicky. I can only imagine how hard that was for my mom who had three older kids to manage and my dad, who was a shift worker at the plant, and needed to sleep at different times a day each week. I'm thankful my mom had this new insight on the importance of responsiveness for infants because she told me that even though the extended family was telling her, just put the baby down and let her cry. Nothing you're doing is helping. It doesn't help to hold her. Just put her down. But she insisted on holding me and told them the fact that she doesn't stop crying when I hold her tells me that she's in pain and then she needs me. And so it's just two different approaches to how to help a baby who is crying. It's just an example of how really hard it can be to be a parent. When people see you with your new baby and ask that question, is she a good baby? I think what they really want to know is, how are you managing? And I hope that their next question is, how can I help? (laughs) How we manage as a parent of young children changes daily. I totally understand that. But I really think we manage better when we have insight into what's going on, when we step back and really observe our child and ourselves in very intentional ways. 
Every baby is born with their own particular way of approaching the world. They have a unique activity pattern and sensitivity that you might have even noticed in the womb. It's called their temperament. It's an important feature of social and emotional health. The word temperament refers to the way that we approach and react to the world. It's our own personal style and it's present from birth. There's nine traits that can help us describe temperament. And these traits are activity levels, distractibility, intensity, regularity, sensitivity, approachability, adaptability, persistence, and mood. Interestingly, these nine temperament traits align with the Enneagram patterns of attention. So if you're familiar with your Enneagram type, it might help you understand your response to your child's temperament. And then to put them in simpler terms, temperaments are classified, they've just kind of broken them down into three different types of temperament. And then of course you look at all of those other traits to kind of get more information. But the three classifications are easygoing, active, and slow to warm. Now, not every child, not every baby is going to tidally fit into one of these categories, just as you probably thought to yourself when I was naming them, well, I'm usually easygoing, but I'm slow to warm in certain situations. That's how I would describe myself. Another set of words that would describe this way of being is what I would call an extroverted introvert and a nine on the Enneagram. So there's lots of different ways that we kind of look at personality traits and name them in different ways. But let's go back to little kids. Easygoing children are generally happy and active from birth, and they just adjust easily to new situations and new environments. These are the kids who march into the childcare center and find lots to do and friends to play with on their first day. Slow to warm children are generally more observant and calm and they just need a little extra time to adjust to new situations. Those kids might need about a week or so before they really feel comfortable at the new child care center. Children with active temperaments often have kind of varied routines. In other words, they're eating and they're sleeping and, and elimination in their moods. They're not going to be exactly the same around the same time each day. And so they have more variety and they often approach a life with a zest that you just don't see in the other temperaments. Temperament appears around four months of age when all the hormones have cleared and your baby is settled into life outside the womb. You might see indicators earlier, but this is when the researchers have determined that you can really get a good measure and see the different types of, uh, of temperament traits. Temperament is not something a child chooses, nor is it something that you can create or change in your child. It's really important for children to be accepted for who they are. It is true, though, that some temperaments are easier to handle than others, which leads to this question that everybody asks, is she a good baby? An intense reactive child or this more active child um, can be more difficult to soothe than a laid back or easy child. A child who's very shy and slow to warm up just takes a little time and support to feel comfortable joining a group of children, which means they might be clingy and not want to let go of your leg in certain situations. Remember, the goal is not to change your child, but to help them thrive by nurturing their strengths and providing support as they need it. As you watch and learn, you can begin to help your child adapt and help them to venture out in those spots where they might need a little bit of support. When I was a new mom, there were then, just like there are today, lots of experts out there telling us how to raise our kids. <laughs> 
You just got to have some wisdom when you are a new parent. There was one called Baby Wise, and it might be out there and around still. I don't know. A lot of my friends were kind of studying this book and putting into practice these principles. It focused on a regimented, controlled schedule for your baby. And I had a friend who had a baby around the same time as me. She lived about an hour away. And one day she came over with her new baby and we just hung out for a few hours. You know, she stayed for a good long visit. So I was really able to to see how she did things with her baby. And she was following this way of doing things. She fed her baby by the clock, not by hungry cues. She laid her down for nap at the same time every day, regardless of whether or not her child was asleep. Um, I, on the other hand, took a different approach. I breastfed on demand. I followed her, my baby's cues on when she wanted to sleep. In other words, I used a child-led approach to parenting and um, instead of this parent-led approach. But I got to tell you, for a moment, I kind of envied her control of the situation because she could tell you, well, yeah, at four o'clock tomorrow, um, she'll just be waking up and we'll be able to, yes, I can do that then. Um, I didn't have that kind of confidence in my schedule. I think for her baby, it worked. For me and my baby, it wouldn't have. And I think this has a lot to do with, with temperaments of both the parent and of the baby. Because each parent also has his or her own temperament, the compatibility between the adult and the child temperament can affect the quality of the relationship. In the world of child development, this compatibility is called goodness of fit. Goodness of fit happens when the adult's expectations and methods of caregiving match the child's personal styles and abilities. Goodness of fit does not mean that the child and the adult temperaments have to match Parents don't have to change who they are. They just need to simply adjust their way of responding so that they can be a positive support to their child's natural way of being in the world. For example, if your child is highly active, you probably will learn to pack some extra activities in the diaper bag, some other extra little things for your child to do for those waiting times throughout the day. And for a child who needs some extra time in approaching new activities, you can allow just you, you can plan that for yourself when you drop off for a sitter or something like that, planning to stay close by to give them time to adjust and to feel safe before you leave. I think it's a great idea, too, to be very aware of the goodness of fit between your child and the caregivers that you use. For example, if you have someone come to your home or if you're taking your child to a childcare center, you just want to make sure that that person is keenly aware of the need to adjust themselves to your child's um, temperament. In the show notes of this episode, I've attached a really wonderful resource for you that will help you identify both yours and your child's temperament by taking a little quiz. After you've identified where you each fall in all of these nine areas that identify temperament, um, they give you some suggestions on how you can approach your child in that particular area based on whether or not you approach things the same or you approach things um, in the opposite way. For example, if your child is real high on sensitivity, but you are low on sensitivity, sometimes it's hard for us to be aware of how we can help a child when we don't really understand or get what they might be experiencing. And so they just give you some ideas on what to do then. It's a really helpful tool, and I know that you'll benefit from it. Plus, I've got some other articles you might want to read, so be sure to check out the show notes on this episode. That's one thing you can do right now. 
Another thing you can do is just observe your baby with this new understanding. Think about what you see in the day-to-day life as you're out and about or, you know, hanging around at home. Would you say that your baby's easygoing or active or slow to warm? Talk to your partner and your friends about your child's temperament, anyone who's around your child, and ask them, what do they observe? And also, how would they describe your temperament? And how are these the same and how are they different? You know, that's the thing about parenting. You're always learning something new about your kid and yourself. I hope this episode has helped you understand your little one better because that's my goal. And if there's any topics that you would like for me to, to, you know, address on this podcast, let me know in the, you know, by emailing me or messaging me. I'd love to hear from you. And before I go, one quick reminder, I'm a person who believes in praying and I would love to pray for you, for your child or whatever you ask for. Just email me at ask at nurturednoggins.com and you can trust that I'll do that. Your request can be simple as simple as one word, or you can give an explanation. It doesn't matter. It's just a quiet, simple way that I can connect with you and support you on your parenting journey. So that's all for today. Thanks so much for joining me, and I will catch you next time. Bye-bye. If you loved today's episode, please share it with a friend. The first years can be overwhelming for any parent, whether your baby's a newborn or out there walking and talking and taking on the world by force. So share away. All you have to do is head to the platform where you're listening, click on the share button or the icon and share it to a friend. I so appreciate you taking the time to do so and it really helps me support other parents on their journey. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.